This is all of United Methodist Church. We want to welcome you to our worship service today. Many of you are reliant upon this um, service, and I want to thank all those who are highly responsible for making sure that it gets um, televised, and especially our local television station. Today we're going to be talking about a very timely subject about forgiveness. Um, I would say that a great deal of my counseling has been dealt with in the area of counseling. A couple prominent figures in my mind that stand out was uh, a couple bankers. One banker in Deer River, a member of my congregation, um, the Camerons, um, um, experienced millions of dollars missing in their, their bank. And it was employee. They needed to forgive and forget. And then another banker that was in my congregation at Staples, Don Eddie, we used to go deer hunting a lot. And they were so good about, at times, we, we experienced a little deficit in our, our spending, and the, those bankers would step forward, and they would take care of that, that deficit. And, and, but millions, millions of dollars had been stolen in, um, you know, how they could, um, you know, forgive and forget. But we're going to be talking about that today, the forgiveness of injuries, and you'll want to, you want to stay tuned with us this morning. And I believe that um, we're going to probably open up with scripture. Would you like to come? We welcome back Gary and Kathy, and Kathy and Gary, and they look like they've enjoyed their their motorcycle trip. Without the motorcycle. <laughs> oh, without, okay. But it was fun. All right. Which number are we doing? You can choose. Okay. Well, then I'm going to choose 651 on your insert here, please. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. And join me, please. Because, because no, no prophecy... prophecy ever came by the impulse of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. I have laid up thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee, Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding, that I may keep thy law and observe it with my whole heart. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The unfolding of thy words gives it light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Great peace have those who love thy law. Nothing can make them stumble. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Um, one of the stipulations is that 
um, during this COVID-19 that we be very careful about our singing and um, our pew cushions and our hymnals and our Bibles that have been removed, but we have um, more scripture actually um, in our bulletins and we we want to make sure that uh, that you're supplied with scripture. Let us pray. Father, our prayer this morning is that you would search us. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. According to the psalmist in the 139th Psalm, the 23rd verse, oftentimes, O Lord, we hate restrictions like clocks and calendars and commitments and laws and diets and budgets. They seem to be such a nuisance, so we squirm and we wiggle to get free of them but we only end up feeling even more restricted. We resist the things that we are ordained to hold together and, and then we wonder why we feel as if we're coming apart. No, no wonder we feel anxious. Instead of stubbornly resolving to overcome our sin on our own, may we have the courage to ask you to search us. Search us, O oh God. We thank you for our Bible study this morning and. We thank you, Father, for our worship service today and those by way of television who so faithfully pray for us and support us. Please, O oh Lord, show us your truth today that, that we're trying to hide behind maybe some anger or self-indulgence or unforgiveness. And instead of warily giving in to sin, may we take an honest look at what is making us most tired for surely this is where we are putting up the biggest fight. May we not settle for the illusion of freedom, but help us to feel that when we follow our instincts and our emotions, we want the freedom that comes only when we let truth, your truth, be our best friend. You are our best friend. You are the truth, the life, and the way. For no one cometh unto the Father except through the Son. For we know that only when we are honest about ourselves we can worship you in truth and gladness. Thank you that we need not fear being known because we know that we are loved. As you've taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And at this time, it's our real privilege, all the way from St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota, is Lee Gross. And Clarice, as he shares this morning, and Mike, you can make your way forward in our scripture reading this morning is Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 35 and you'll want to be prepared to um, follow along in the reading of God's word Matthew 18 21 through 35. Here's another of uh, other pages of uh, the Lord's text. He touched me. Thank you. 
Praise the Lord, Lee. Lee and Claris, I'd like to present to you a small token of our appreciation for your tremendous work in singing. Not only do you sing, but you rehearse. Thank you, thank you again. And many of you are really touched by the music and we, and it's their heart desire that you're touched by the Savior, touched by the Holy Spirit in a precious number. And at this time, I'm gonna call on Mike, and Mike, would you come and share with us this morning? And if you're viewing by way of television this morning, you'll wanna to turn to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And I know I oftentimes hear the appreciation of people they, that the challenge we give to follow along in scripture. Many of you have your Bibles with you as you're watching. We wanna be very biblical, very biblical, in the biblical passage of scripture is Matthew chapter 18, 21 through 35. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35 reads, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him, as many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Seven times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven must be compared to a king who watched to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the reckoning, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you back everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But that same servant, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and besought him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went back and put him into prison till he could pay back his debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord what had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you besought me. And should not have, should you not have the same mercy as a fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And an anchor, his Lord delivered him to the jailers till he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Our scripture started with Peter asking Jesus, how many times he has to forgive his brother or sister? It's not talking about family. It's talking about our family, Christian family. If they sin against him. The Lord told Peter, don't just forgive him seven times. Seven times seven. Or seventy-seven. Jesus wasn't instructing us to count. Oh, okay, that's the fiftieth time. You're beyond forgiveness now. That is now what the Lord was saying. Or what he implies is what he implies is that we should be reaching and trying to grasp the level of forgiveness and patience the Lord has with us. Verse 23, Jesus tells a parable of a king who wanted to settle his servants' accounts. 
the king sat there and right in front of him came a servant that owed him a thousand talents. The king realized this is really an impossible amount for a servant to pay back. He could never be compensated for the amount owed. So for at least a bit of the recovery, the king ordered that that servant, his wife and family and house were sold. When the servant heard of this, he went to the king, he got down on his knees and he begged him for forgiveness and promised to pay back the debt. Verse 27 is pivotal here. The king felt compassion, compassion, capital C, on the servant. He forgave and simply released his debt. This is really an analogy. This is an analogy for the mercy the Lord has shown us. None of us, nobody on earth that has lived or will live or is living could ever repay Jesus Christ for what he did for us on the cross. It's impossible to pay him back for the covering of our sins. And we, without Jesus, could not decrease the distance that we find from the Father and us, from, the, from God. Jesus Christ died a torturous death on our behalf, on your behalf, on my behalf, on everyone's behalf. So we could be back, return to the family of being a child of God. Unless we forgive others the best we can in the same kind of manner Jesus did to us, we won't get the Lord's forgiveness. Think about it. No matter what happens to you or me or anybody within the sound of my voice, if you don't forgive somebody for sinning against you, guess what? Your, your forgiveness goes out the window. We must forgive or we cancel out the Lord's sacrifice, what he did, what he has forgiven us for. We make it of no account or doesn't count. doesn't matter. That's why we must forgive. Very important to a Christian's life. In verse 28, we read the same servant that had just been rele released from an impossible amount of debt came across him and owed him 100 coins. He grabbed that guy by the neck and said, pay me back now. I can't, the, the hypocrisy that stuns me. The guy, he grabbed his neck up and wrote him the money and said, no, just give me a little time, I'll repay it, I promise. I'll, I'll repay you everything I can. The guy who'd just been forgiven the uncountable almost amount of debt said, forget it, I'm not waiting for you. You go right to debtor's jail. Interesting enough, the king's servants saw the man that had just been forgiven all that debt act this way towards somebody else. So what did they do? They went back and reported it to the king and told him what they witnessed. So the king had the man that he had forgiven all that debt brought back before him. He called him wicked. I thought about this. It's a good analogy. Without our faith in Jesus Christ, we're wicked to God. We're no good. He said that he forgave his debt because of his appeal. When he brought that back, back guy back before him, his appeal matches our ask or need to be forgiven. How do we get back to Father God? We get on our knees and we beg Jesus for forgiveness. The king, when the guy was brought back before him, said, shouldn't you have the same mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? 
The king asked, told the prison punisher to take him away, and he went to debtor's jail. And the, on his way out, the king said, you're not going to get out of this debtor's jail until you repay me. Verse 35 reads that we should show compassion and mercy, mercy to our debtors or the people that sin against us. I'll add that doing that is our obligation back to Jesus. He did it for us. Who are we to say somebody else isn't worth forgiveness? We're not in that position. We're not in that state. We're not, we're not high enough. We're not up on the ranks to do that. If somebody does us wrong, it's our obligation and duty to forgive them, just like Jesus did for us. Jesus' life that he lived here on earth shows us a standard that we should always aim for and try to achieve. Of course we can't, but that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Spirit helps us forgive, no matter the debt. And just think about it, I'll say it again, without faith, we will, we'll treat it, we will be treated like, like the king did the servant. We'll be in debtor's, debtor's jail. Dear Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask right now, I'm praying to you, that you showed us the limits of love and compassion with you. It's unmatchable. Let us, with the Holy Spirit in us, show that kind of love and forgiveness and patience with our fellow man. Let's not go around demanding this and demanding that, but instead pray. Pray for the, for the debt to be covered. You covered our debt, Lord. The least we could do is be patient and act like the debts of others are covered for ourselves until they are. Let us stay heavenly minded and remember you always in all our circumstances, Lord, that how we feel or what we want to do on a human level isn't the right thing all the time. We want to be and act and replicate you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Would you all stand with me as we turn to our bulletin inserts? And I'd like to show our appreciation from all of it. Um, we're running a little short of uh, purple pens. Would you be willing to hand, handle a little green? Well, I'd be happy to. Okay. I just had that feeling you might. Yes. And it's a little notepad there. You can continue taking notes for, you know, ongoing sermons and that. Amen. Scripture. I have Chris... Um, copy about four scripture responsive readings and they're all just from our red hymnals now if you'd ever like to um read scripture from the pulpit the responsive reading all you need to do is go in the red hymnal and follow up on like the next one will be 652 to the next four you know i read all of these and kind of study them I'm always at a real challenge to, you know, choose which one because they're all so good. But I want us to turn to page 648 on the copy there because I want to give you that challenge to faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received divine approval. By faith, Noah, being warned by God, concerning events as yet unseen, took heed and constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance, 
he went out not knowing where he was to go. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Merak and Samson and Jethro, of David and Samuel and the prophets, through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Others, even in our day, suffered mockings and scourgings and and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which cling so closely and let us run with perseverance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. May God bless the responsive reading according to Hebrews 11 and 12 of our Bibles. Thank you. You may be seated. Forgiveness is a real, um, you know, um, contemporary problem. You know, there are probably many activities in life that we're involved in and attitudes and aptitudes, but Forgiveness is going to be something that's true even throughout all humanity as long as humans are humans and here upon earth. And in these verses of scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ deals with a very deeply important subject. It's the forgiveness of injuries. Now, I've asked people in previous congregations to kind of raise their hands if, if they've never been injured, and I've never had anybody raise a hand if they haven't been injured. We've been injured in one way or the other. We live in a wicked world, and it's, it's vain to expect that we can escape any form of ill treatment. And however carefully we may behave, how many, how many times we are righteous, to know how to conduct ourselves when we are ill-treated and to respond is, is one of the great moments to our souls to respond with a sense of forgiveness. In the first place, the Lord Jesus sets and lays it down as a, as a very general, a general rule that we ought to forgive others to the uttermost. Peter put this question before Jesus, and Peter asked Jesus, and you could probably ask, I, I, I was asked that question twice this past week, uh, even by um, one of my brothers, um, Terry, I have two brothers, Terry and Tim. Terry asked me that question, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, it could be a brother, it could be a sister, or it could be a neighbor or whomever. Is seven times enough? Is seven times enough? Peter received this answer from Jesus, and Jesus said, I say not unto thee seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, in the state of Minnesota, seven times Seventy is how many times? Four hundred and ninety. You, you know, I, I would think that you know when you get in the hundreds, 
you kind of lose track, and maybe that's the essence of forgiveness here. The rule that's laid down here must, of course, be interpreted with a sense of sober-minded qualification. Our Lord Jesus Christ does not mean that offenses against the law of the land and, and the good order of society are to be passed over in a sense of silence. The devastation that you see in South Minneapolis, some 1,500 establishments destroyed and, you know, people's lives, you know, it's unimaginable, the destruction. I served a church just a few blocks from there, Asbury, 46th in Bloomington. It was such a beautiful sight to go down there, and now you see it's just a, it's just like Saudi and, and the devastation. Desert storm and desert hail. How does one mean that we are to allow people to commit um, thefts and assaults with impunity? All that Jesus means is that we are to study this general spirit of, of mercy and forgiveness towards our brethren. I watched a movie this past week a couple different times. It, it's about mercy me, mercy me, and I, I can only imagine it's a movie that I really encourage you to watch. It's about one of the lead singers in Mercy Me talking about how he was abused by his father verbally and how he arrived above that and his father accepted Christ. And he realized that if his father could become a Christian, anybody could become a Christian. The name of the movie is Mercy, or is, uh, the group is Mercy Me, and I could only imagine it's, it, that's the name of the movie. And we are to hear much, and we are to um, put up with much rather than quarrel. We are to look over much, and we are submit to, to much and rather than developing any sense of strife. We are to lay aside everything like malice and strife and revenge and retaliation. Such feelings are only fit for heathens and unbelievers. They are utterly unworthy of a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Christ. And what a happy world it would be if this rule of our Lord Jesus Christ was more known and was more obeyed. How many of the miseries of humankind are occasioned by disputes, by quarrels, by lawsuits, and an obstinate tenacity about which we call others towards their rights. How many of them might be altogether avoided if we were willing to forgive and we were more desirous for peace? And let us never forget that a fire, a fire cannot go on burning without fuel. Just in the same way it takes two, two individuals to make a quarrel, let us each resolve by God's grace that of these two, we will never be one of the two. Let us resolve to return good for evil. Let us never forget that a fire cannot go on burning without fuel. And are we a part of that fuel? It was a fine, fine feature in the disciples' character that if you did a person an injury, and it was later picked up during the presidency of Abraham Lincoln, that if anyone ever did an injury to Abe Lincoln, he, he was sure to make that person a friend. 
sure to make a person and friend. In the second place, our, our Lord applies and supplies us with two of one of the most powerful, powerful, powerful motives of, of exercising the spirit of forgiveness. He tells us a story of a person who owed this enormous sum to his master and, and had nothing to pay. You heard me tell you earlier of a couple of outstanding individuals in previous congregations that were bankers and owned the banks and were literally lift, ripped off millions by an employee. Nevertheless, at the time of reckoning, his master had compassion in him and came and said, I forgive him all. He tells us that this very man, this very person, after being forgiven himself, refused to forgive a fellow servant just a trifling of a debt of just a few pence. This person who had been forgiven millions had just been robbed of a few cents and he could not, not see to forgive this trifling debt of just a few pence. He, he actually cast that person into prison and would not abate a dot, a dot of his demand. He tells us how punishment overtook this wicked and cruel man who, who, who after receiving mercy, ought surely, you would have thought, would have shown much mercy to others. And finally, he concludes the parable with the impressive words, so likewise shall your heavenly Father do unto you if you from your hearts forget and forgive not everyone, his brother or sister, their trespasses. Now it's very clear from this parable that, that one motive of forgiving others ought to be the recollection that we all need forgiveness. You from pulpit to pew, we all need forgiveness at God's hands, ourselves. Day after day we are coming short in many ways. We're leaving undone what we ought to do and doing what we ought not to do. Day after day, we require mercy and we require pardon in our neighbor's offenses against us are, are mere trifles compared with our offenses against God. Surely it, it ill becomes the fact that we're all erring creatures to be extreme and making that is done amiss by our brethren or we are slow to forgive. And another motive for forgiving others ought to be the, the collection on the day, the collection on the day of judgment, and the standard by which we shall all be tried in that day. There will be forgiveness in that day for unforgiving people, such people we would think would possibly be unfit for heaven. They would not be able to value a dwelling place in which mercy is, is only a title, in which mercy is the eternal subject of a song. Surely if we mean to stand at the right hand of Jesus, when Jesus sits on the throne of his glory, we must learn while we are on earth to forgive. Now let these truths sink down deeply into our hearts. It, it's, it's a melancholy fact that there are few Christian duties that are less practiced as that of forgiveness. It's very sad to see how much bitterness and 
bitterness and unmerciful, unmercifulness and, and spite and hardness and unkindness there is among people, yet there are few duties, your duty and my duty, so strongly enforced in the New Testament scriptures as this duty. It is a duty, and it's one of neglect in which clearly shuts a person out of the kingdom of God. Would we give proof that we are at peace with God? Would we give proof that we are at peace with God? Would that we're washed in Christ's blood, that we're born in the Spirit, and that we are made God's children by adoption and by grace? Let us remember this passage like our Heavenly Father in heaven. Let us be forgiving. Has one injured us? Let us forgive. And may it be said we ought to forgive others or ourselves little and others much. Would we do good to the world? Would we have any influence on others and and make them see the beauty of true religion? And let us remember this passage. May we who care not for doctrines can understand a, a forgiving, forgiving temper. Would we grow in our grace ourselves and become as holy in our ways, in our words, in our works? Let us remember this passage. Nothing so grieves the Holy Spirit and brings spiritual darkness over the soul, giving way to a quarrelsome and unforgiving temper. I've worked with law enforcement over the years. I have a member of my family that are law enforcement, and Christian was trained as a law enforcement. He chose not to proceed in that area, but my son-in-law is an officer. And I hear the tremendous love that law enforcement has. It's a, it's a real admirable profession. I'm reminded of when a, a police officer stopped a woman because her young daughter was riding in a car without the required booster seat. And he could have written her a ticket for traffic violation, but instead he asked the mother and he asked the daughter to meet him at a nearby, nearby store where he personally paid, personally paid for the needed car seat. The mother was going through a very difficult time and could not afford to buy a seat, a booster seat. And although the woman should have received a fine for her misdemeanor, she walked away with a gift with a gift instead. Anyone, anyone who knows Christ, by way of television, and you and I here, anyone who knows Christ has experienced something similar. All of us deserve this penalty for breaking God's laws, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 20. Yet because of Jesus Christ, we experience undeserved favor, undeserved favor from God. And this favor excuses us from the ultimate consequence of our sin, which is death and eternal separation from God, according to Romans chapter 6, 23. Now, in Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, according to Philippians chapter 1, 7. Some refer to grace as love in action. 
When the young mother experienced this, she later remarked, I will ever and forever be grateful. And she went on to say, and as soon as I can afford it, I will be paying it forward. Paying it forward. Now this grateful and big-hearted response to the officer's gift is an inspiring example for those of us who have received the gift of God's grace. We should be praying, dear Father, thank you for thank you for giving us what we don't reserve. You have given and forgiven our sins and provided a way for us to be reconciled to you through the gift of your Son. Help us to be always grateful for your grace. Periodically, I have weddings that they schedule over dinner time, and we scheduled a wedding at Fort Snelling yesterday. At his son's wedding. A friend of mine offered advice and encouragement to the newlyweds, and I always kind of open up the wedding service for people to share their hopes and their prayers for the wedding couple. And in his speech, he told of a football coach in a nearby town who, when his team lost a game, they kept the losing score on the scoreboard all week to remind the team of their failure. And while that may be a good football strategy, Bob wisely advised it's a terrible strategy in life. It's a terrible strategy in marriage. When your spouse upsets you or fails you or your neighbor or your employee or employer fails you or upsets you, fails you in some way, don't keep drawing attention to the failure. Turn off the scoreboard. What great advice. Scripture is full of commands for us to love each other and to overlook those faults. Father God, with every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television, we, we are reminded that love keeps no records of wrongs. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 5, that love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 5. And that we should be ready to forgive one another, just as in Christ God forgave us, according to Ephesians chapter 4, 32, just as in Christ God forgave us. Help us to be deeply grateful that God turns off the scoreboard when we fail. He doesn't simply forgive when we repent. He, he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west, according to the psalmist one. 103 verse 12 he, he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west and with God forgiveness means that our sin is out of sight and, and out of mind and may he give us a grace to extend forgiveness to those around us and as every head is bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television would you repeat after me Lord thank you for not holding our sins against us and for granting us a second chance Help us today to forgive others just as you have freely forgiven us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we turn to our offertory prayer in our bulletins and repeat this prayer with me? God of our salvation, we remember that day when the Israelites, escaping their captors, were rescued by you as you parted the sea to let them cross, 
Over the years, scholars have struggled with how many died that day that another group might be led to freedom. We offer our gifts to you in thankfulness for all your blessings, knowing others have so much less. Then we remember that we have been blessed to be a blessing. May the lives we live this day and every day be an offering of a blessing to those who are in need. In Jesus we pray, amen. Would you join me with the, for the doxology, please? Father, according to Psalms 8 9, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, the crown of glory and honor that you have placed upon our heads. Lord, often feels so much and so big. And like children playing dress up, we try to keep it all straight, but it keeps falling over our eyes. And in our attempts to keep it in place, we realize one important thing the one who put it there is the one who can keep it there. And like a gentle parent, you, the God of the universe, keep pushing it back in place so we can exercise our God-given authority over creation. The wonder of your plan calls us to silence. Bless now these gifts and these givers. We've come to learn. We leave to serve. The majesty of your name calls us to kneel. And your awesome glory, the matchless glory of God, calls us to a sense of joyful worship as we go now with the blessings of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to have Gary and Kathy back? That pew was in great mourning last week. This is all of it, United Methodist Church. We want to welcome you to our worship service today. Many of you are reliant upon this um, service, and I want to thank all those who are highly responsible for making sure that it gets um, televised and especially our local television station. Today we're going to be talking about a very timely subject about forgiveness. Um, I would say that a great deal of my counseling has been dealt with in the area of counseling. A couple prominent figures in my mind that stand out was uh, a couple bankers. One banker in Deer River, a member of my congregation, um, the Camerons, um, um, experienced millions of dollars missing in their, their bank. And it was employee. They needed to forgive and forget. And then another banker that was in my congregation at Staples, Don Eddy, we used to go deer hunting a lot. And they were so good about, at times, we, we experienced a little deficit in our, our spending, and the, those bankers would step forward, and they would take care of that, that deficit. And... And, but millions, millions of dollars had been stolen in, um, you know, how they could, um, you know, forgive and forget. 
But we're going to be talking about that today, the forgiveness of injuries. And you'll want to, you'll want to stay tuned with us this morning. And I believe that um, we're going to probably open up with Scripture. Would you like to come? We welcome back Gary and Kathy and Kathy and Gary. And they look like they've enjoyed their, their motorcycle trip. Without the motorcycle. <laughs> oh, without, okay. But it was fun. All right. Which number are we doing? You can choose. Okay. Well, then I'm going to choose 651 on your insert here, please. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. And join me, please. Because, because no, no prophecy... prophecy ever came by the impulse of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. I have laid up thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee, Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding, that I may keep thy law and observe it with my whole heart. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The unfolding of thy words gives it light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Great peace have those who love thy law. Nothing can make them stumble. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Um, one of the stipulations is that um, during this COVID-19 that we be very careful about our singing and um, our pew cushions and our hymnals and our Bibles have been removed, but we have um, more scripture actually um, in our bulletins, and we we want to make sure that uh, that you're supplied with scripture. Let us pray, Father. Our prayer this morning is that you would search us, search us, O God, and know our hearts, according to the psalmist in the 139th Psalm, the 23rd verse. Oftentimes, O oh Lord, we hate restrictions like clocks and calendars and commitments and laws and diets and budgets. They seem to be such a nuisance, so we squirm and we wiggle to get free of them. But we only end up feeling even more restricted. We resist the things that we are ordained to hold together, and, and then we wonder why we feel as if we're coming apart. No wonder we feel anxious. Instead of stubbornly resolving to overcome our sin on our own, may we have the courage to ask you to search us. Search us, O oh God. We thank you for our Bible study 
this morning and we thank you father for our worship service today and those by way of television who so faithfully pray for us and support us please oh lord show us your truth today that that we're trying to hide behind maybe some anger or self-indulgence or unforgiveness and instead of warily giving in to sin may we take an honest look at what is making us most tired for surely this is where we are putting up the biggest fight may we not settle for the illusion of freedom but help us to feel that when we follow our instincts and our emotions we want the freedom that comes only when we let truth your truth be our best friend you are our best friend you are the truth the life and the way for no one cometh unto the Father except through the Son. For we know that only when we are honest about ourselves we can worship you in truth and gladness. Thank you that we need not fear being known because we know that we are loved. As you've taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And at this time, it's our real privilege all the way from St. Paul. St. Paul, Minnesota is Lee Gross and Clarice as he shares this morning, and Mike, you can make your way forward in our scripture reading this morning is Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, and you'll want to be prepared to um, follow along in the reading of God's word, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Here's another of uh, our favorites of uh, the Lord's text. He touched me.
Praise the Lord, Lee. Lee and Claris, I'd like to present to you a small token of our appreciation for your tremendous work in singing. Not only do you sing, but you rehearse. Thank you, thank you again. And many of you are really touched by the music and we, and it's their heart desire that you're touched by the Savior, touched by the Holy Spirit in a precious number. And at this time, I'm gonna call on Mike, and Mike, would you come and share with us this morning? And if you're viewing by way of television this morning, you'll wanna to turn to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And I know I oftentimes hear the appreciation of people they, that the challenge we give to follow along in scripture. Many of you have your Bibles with you as you're watching. We wanna be very biblical, very biblical, in the biblical passage of scripture is Matthew chapter 18, 21 through 35. Thank you, sir. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35 reads, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him, as many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Seven times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven must be compared to a king who watched to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the reckoning, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you back everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But that same servant, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and besought him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went back and put him into prison till he could pay back his debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord what had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you besought me. And should not have, should you not have the same mercy of the fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And an anchor, his Lord delivered him to the jailers till he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Our scripture started with Peter asking Jesus, how many times do you have to forgive this brother or sister? It's not talking about family. It's talking about our family, Christian family. If they sin against him. The Lord told Peter, don't just forgive him seven times. Seven times seven. Or seventy-seven. Jesus wasn't instructing us to count. Oh, okay, that's the fiftieth time. You're beyond forgiveness now. That is now what the Lord was saying. Or what he implies is what he implies is that we should be reaching and trying to grasp the level of forgiveness and patience the Lord has with us. Verse 23, Jesus tells the parable of a king who wanted to settle his servants' accounts. 
the king sat there and right in front of him came a servant that owed him a thousand talents. The king realized this is really an impossible amount for a servant to pay back. He could never be compensated for the amount owed. So for at least a bit of the recovery, the king ordered that that servant, his wife and family and house were sold. When the servant heard of this, he went to the king, he got down on his knees and he begged him for forgiveness and promised to pay back the debt. Verse 27 is pivotal here. The king felt compassion, compassion, capital C, on the servant. He forgave and simply released his debt. This is really an analogy. This is an analogy for the mercy the Lord has shown us. None of us, nobody on earth that has lived or will live or is living could ever repay Jesus Christ for what he did for us on the cross. It's impossible to pay him back for the covering of our sins. And we, without Jesus, could not decrease the distance that we find from the Father and us, from, the, from God. Jesus Christ died a torturous death on our behalf, on your behalf, on my behalf, on everyone's behalf. So we could be back, return to the family of being a child of God. Unless we forgive others the best we can in the same kind of manner Jesus did to us, we won't get the Lord's forgiveness. Think about it. No matter what happens to you or me or anybody within the sound of my voice, if you don't forgive somebody for sinning against you, guess what? Your, your forgiveness goes out the window. We must forgive or we cancel out the Lord's sacrifice, what he did, what he has forgiven us for. We make it of no account or doesn't count. doesn't matter. That's why we must forgive. Very important to a Christian's life. In verse 28, we read the same servant that had just been rele released from an impossible amount of debt came across him and owed him 100 coins. He grabbed that guy by the neck and said, pay me back now. I can't, the, the hypocrisy that stuns me. The guy, he grabbed his neck up and wrote him the money and said, no, just give me a little time, I'll repay it, I promise, I'll, I'll repay you everything I can. The guy who'd just been forgiven the uncountable almost amount of debt said, forget it, I'm not waiting for you. You go right to debtor's jail. Interesting enough, the king's servants saw the man that had just been forgiven all that debt act this way towards somebody else. So what did they do? They went back and reported it to the king and told him what they witnessed. So the king had the man that he had forgiven all that debt brought back before him. He called him wicked. I thought about this. It's a good analogy. Without our faith in Jesus Christ, we're wicked to God. We're no good. He said that he forgave his debt because of his appeal. When he brought that back, back guy back before him, his appeal matches our ask or need to be forgiven. How do we get back to Father God? We get on our knees and we beg Jesus for forgiveness. The king, when the guy was brought back before him, said, shouldn't you have the same mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? 
The king asked, told the prison punisher to take him away, and he went to debtor's jail. And the, on his way out, the king said, you're not going to get out of this debtor's jail until you repay me. Verse 35 reads that we should show compassion and mercy, mercy to our debtors or the people that sin against us. I'll add that doing that is our obligation back to Jesus. He did it for us. Who are we to say somebody else isn't worth forgiveness? We're not in that position. We're not in that state. We're not, we're not high enough. We're not up on the ranks to do that. If somebody does us wrong, it's our obligation and duty to forgive them, just like Jesus did for us. Jesus' life that he lived here on earth shows us a standard that we should always aim for and try to achieve. Of course we can't, but that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Spirit helps us forgive, no matter the debt. And just think about it, I'll say it again, without faith, we will, we'll treat it, we will be treated like, like the king did the servant. We'll be in debtor's, debtor's jail. Dear Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask right now, I'm praying to you, that you showed us the limits of love and compassion with you. It's unmatchable. Let us, with the Holy Spirit in us, show that kind of love and forgiveness and patience with our fellow man. Let's not go around demanding this and demanding that, but instead pray. Pray for the, for the debt to be covered. You covered our debt, Lord. The least we could do is be patient and act like the debts of others are covered for ourselves until they are. Let us stay heavenly minded and remember you always in all our circumstances, Lord, that how we feel or what we want to do on a human level isn't the right thing all the time. We want to be and act and replicate you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Would you all stand with me as we turn to our bulletin inserts? And I'd like to show our appreciation from all of it. Um, we're running a little short of uh, purple pens. Would you be willing to hand, handle a little green? Well, I'd be happy to. Okay. I just had that feeling you might. Yes. And it's a little notepad there. You can continue taking notes for, you know, ongoing sermons and that. Amen. Scripture. I have Chris um, copy about four scripture responsive readings and they're all just from our red hymnals. Now, if you'd ever like to um, read scripture from the pulpit, the responsive reading, all you need to do is go in the red hymnal and follow up on, like the next one will be 652 to the next four. You know, I read all of these and kind of study them. I'm always at a real challenge to, you know, choose which one because they're all so good, but... I want us to turn to page 648 on the copy there because I want to give you that challenge to faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received divine approval. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, took heed and constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. 
he went out not knowing where he was to go. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Merak and Samson and Jethro, of David and Samuel and the prophets, through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Others, even in our day, suffered mockings and scourgings and and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which cling so closely and let us run with perseverance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. May God bless the responsive reading according to Hebrews 11 and 12 of our Bibles. Thank you. You may be seated. Forgiveness is a real, um, you know, um, contemporary problem. You know, there are probably many activities in life that we're involved in and attitudes and aptitudes, but Forgiveness is going to be something that's true even throughout all humanity as long as humans are humans and here upon earth. And in these verses of scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ deals with a very deeply important subject. It's the forgiveness of injuries. Now, I've asked people in previous congregations to kind of raise their hands if, if they've never been injured, and I've never had anybody raise a hand if they haven't been injured. We've been injured in one way or the other. We live in a wicked world, and it's, it's vain to expect that we can escape any form of ill treatment. And however carefully we may behave, how many, how many times we are righteous, to know how to conduct ourselves when we are ill-treated and to respond is, is one of the great moments to our souls to respond with a sense of forgiveness. In the first place, the Lord Jesus sets and lays it down as a, as a very general, a general rule that we ought to forgive others to the uttermost. Peter put this question before Jesus, and Peter asked Jesus, and you could probably ask, I, I, I was asked that question twice this past week, uh, even by um, one of my brothers, um, Terry, I have two brothers, Terry and Tim. Terry asked me that question, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, it could be a brother, it could be a sister, or it could be a neighbor or whomever. Is seven times enough? Is seven times enough? Peter received this answer from Jesus, and Jesus said, I say not unto thee seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, in the state of Minnesota, seven times Seventy is how many times? Four hundred and ninety. You, you know, I, I would think that you know when you get in the hundreds, 
you kind of lose track, and maybe that's the essence of forgiveness here. The rule that's laid down here must, of course, be interpreted with a sense of sober-minded qualification. Our Lord Jesus Christ does not mean that offenses against the law of the land and, and the good order of society are to be passed over in a sense of silence. The devastation that you see in South Minneapolis, some 1,500 establishments destroyed and, you know, people's lives, you know, it's unimaginable, the destruction. I served a church just a few blocks from there, Asbury, 46th in Bloomington. It was such a beautiful sight to go down there, and now you see it's just a, it's just like Saudi and, and the devastation. Desert storm and desert hail. How does one mean that we are to allow people to commit um, thefts and assaults with impunity? All that Jesus means is that we are to study this general spirit of, of mercy and forgiveness towards our brethren. I watched a movie this past week a couple different times. It, it's about mercy me, mercy me, and I, I can only imagine it's a movie that I really encourage you to watch. It's about one of the lead singers in Mercy Me talking about how he was abused by his father verbally and how he arrived above that and his father accepted Christ. And he realized that if his father could become a Christian, anybody could become a Christian. The name of the movie is Mercy, or is, uh, the group is Mercy Me, and I could only imagine it's, it, that's the name of the movie. And we are to hear much, and we are to um, put up with much rather than quarrel. We are to look over much, and we are submit to, to much and rather than developing any sense of strife. We are to lay aside everything like malice and strife and revenge and retaliation. Such feelings are only fit for heathens and unbelievers. They are utterly unworthy of a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Christ. And what a happy world it would be if this rule of our Lord Jesus Christ was more known and was more obeyed. How many of the miseries of humankind are occasioned by disputes, by quarrels, by lawsuits, and an obstinate tenacity about which we call others towards their rights. How many of them might be altogether avoided if we were willing to forgive and we were more desirous for peace? And let us never forget that a fire, a fire cannot go on burning without fuel. Just in the same way it takes two, two individuals to make a quarrel, let us each resolve by God's grace that of these two, we will never be one of the two. Let us resolve to return good for evil. Let us never forget that a fire cannot go on burning without fuel. And are we a part of that fuel? It was a fine, fine feature in the disciples' character that if you did a person an injury, and it was later picked up during the presidency of Abraham Lincoln, that if anyone ever did an injury to Abe Lincoln, he, he was sure to make that person a friend. 
sure to make a person that friend. In the second place, our, our Lord applies and supplies us with two of one of the most powerful, powerful, powerful motives of, of exercising the spirit of forgiveness. He tells us a story of a person who owed this enormous sum to his master and, and had nothing to pay. You heard me tell you earlier of a couple of outstanding individuals in previous congregations that were bankers and owned the banks and were literally lift, ripped off millions by an employee. Nevertheless, at the time of reckoning, his master had compassion in him and came and said, I forgive him all. He tells us that this very man, this very person, after being forgiven himself, refused to forgive a fellow servant just a trifling of a debt of just a few pence. This person who had been forgiven millions had just been robbed of a few cents and he could not, not see to forgive this trifling debt of just a few pence. He, he actually cast that person into prison and would not abate a dot, a dot of his demand. He tells us how punishment overtook this wicked and cruel man who, who, who after receiving mercy, ought surely, you would have thought, would have shown much mercy to others. And finally, he concludes the parable with the impressive words, so likewise shall your heavenly Father do unto you if you from your hearts forget and forgive not everyone, his brother or sister, their trespasses. Now it's very clear from this parable that, that one motive of forgiving others ought to be the recollection that we all need forgiveness. You from pulpit to pew, we all need forgiveness at God's hands, ourselves. Day after day we are coming short in many ways. We're leaving undone what we ought to do and doing what we ought not to do. Day after day, we require mercy and we require pardon in our neighbor's offenses against us are, are mere trifles compared with our offenses against God. Surely it, it ill becomes the fact that we're all erring creatures to the extreme and making that is done amiss by our brethren or we are slow to forgive. And another motive for forgiving others ought to be the, the collection on the day, the collection on the day of judgment, and the standard by which we shall all be tried in that day. There will be forgiveness in that day for unforgiving people, such people we would think would possibly be unfit for heaven. They would not be able to value a dwelling place in which mercy is, is only a title, in which mercy is the eternal subject of a song. Surely if we mean to stand at the right hand of Jesus, when Jesus sits on the throne of his glory, we must learn while we are on earth to forgive. Now let these truths sink down deeply into our hearts. It, it's, it's a melancholy fact that there are few Christian duties that are less practiced as that of forgiveness. It's very sad to see how much bitterness and 
bitterness and unmerciful, unmercifulness and, and spite and hardness and unkindness there is among people, yet there are few duties, your duty and my duty, so strongly enforced in the New Testament scriptures as this duty. It is a duty, and it's one of neglect in which clearly shuts a person out of the kingdom of God. Would we give proof that we are at peace with God? Would we give proof that we are at peace with God? Would that we're washed in Christ's blood, that we're born in the Spirit, and that we are made God's children by adoption and by grace. Let us remember this passage like our Heavenly Father in heaven. Let us be forgiving. Has one injured us? Let us forgive. And may it be said we ought to forgive others or ourselves little, and others much. Would we do good to the world? Would we have any influence on others and, and make them see the beauty of true religion? And let us remember this passage. May we who care not for doctrines can understand a, a forgiving, forgiving temper. Would we grow in our grace ourselves and become as holy in our ways, in our words, in our works? Let us remember this passage. Nothing so grieves the Holy Spirit and brings spiritual darkness over the soul, giving way to a quarrelsome and unforgiving temper. I've worked with law enforcement over the years. I have a member of my family that are law enforcement, and Christian was trained as a law enforcement. He chose not to proceed in that area, but my son-in-law is an officer. And I hear the tremendous love that law enforcement has. It's a, it's a real admirable profession. I'm reminded of when a, a police officer stopped a woman because her young daughter was riding in a car without the required booster seat. And he could have written her a ticket for traffic violation, but instead he asked the mother and he asked the daughter to meet him at a nearby, nearby store where he personally paid, personally paid for the needed car seat. The mother was going through a very difficult time and could not afford to buy a seat, a booster seat. And although the woman should have received a fine for her misdemeanor, she walked away with a gift with a gift instead. Anyone, anyone who knows Christ, by way of television, and you and I here, anyone who knows Christ has experienced something similar. All of us deserve this penalty for breaking God's laws, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 20. Yet because of Jesus Christ, we experience undeserved favor, undeserved favor from God. And this favor excuses us from the ultimate consequence of our sin, which is death and eternal separation from God, according to Romans chapter 6, 23. Now, in Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, according to Philippians chapter 1, 7. Some refer to grace as love in action. 
When the young mother experienced this, she later remarked, I will ever and forever be grateful. And she went on to say, and as soon as I can afford it, I will be paying it forward. Paying it forward. Now this grateful and big-hearted response to the officer's gift is an inspiring example for those of us who have received the gift of God's grace. We should be praying, dear Father, thank you for thank you for giving us what we don't reserve. You have given and forgiven our sins and provided a way for us to be reconciled to you through the gift of your Son. Help us to be always grateful for your grace. Periodically, I have weddings that they schedule over dinner time, and we scheduled a wedding at Fort Snelling yesterday. At his son's wedding. A friend of mine offered advice and encouragement to the newlyweds, and I always kind of open up the wedding service for people to share their hopes and their prayers for the wedding couple. And in his speech, he told of a football coach in a nearby town who, when his team lost a game, they kept the losing score on the scoreboard all week to remind the team of their failure. And while that may be a good football strategy, Bob wisely advised it's a terrible strategy in life. It's a terrible strategy in marriage. When your spouse upsets you or fails you or your neighbor or your employee or employer fails you or upsets you, fails you in some way, don't keep drawing attention to the failure. Turn off the scoreboard. What great advice. Scripture is full of commands for us to love each other and to overlook those faults. Father God, with every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television, we, we are reminded that love keeps no records of wrongs. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 5, that love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 5. And that we should be ready to forgive one another, just as in Christ God forgave us, according to Ephesians chapter 4, 32, just as in Christ God forgave us. Help us to be deeply grateful that God turns off the scoreboard when we fail. He doesn't simply forgive when we repent. He, he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west, according to the psalmist one. 103 verse 12 he, he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west and with God forgiveness means that our sin is out of sight and, and out of mind and may he give us a grace to extend forgiveness to those around us and as every head is bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television would you repeat after me Lord thank you for not holding our sins against us and for granting us a second chance Help us today to forgive others just as you have freely forgiven us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we turn to our offertory prayer in our bulletins and repeat this prayer with me? God of our salvation, we remember that day when the Israelites, escaping their captors, were rescued by you as you parted the sea to let them cross, 
Over the years, scholars have struggled with how many died that day that another group might be led to freedom. We offer our gifts to you in thankfulness for all your blessings, knowing others have so much less. Then we remember that we have been blessed to be a blessing. May the lives we live this day and every day be an offering of a blessing to those who are in need. In Jesus we pray, amen. Would you join me with the, for the doxology, please? Father, according to Psalms 8 9, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, the crown of glory and honor that you have placed upon our heads. Lord, often feels so much and so big. And like children playing dress up, we try to keep it all straight, but it keeps falling over our eyes. And in our attempts to keep it in place, we realize one important thing the one who put it there is the one who can keep it there. And like a gentle parent, you, the God of the universe, keep pushing it back in place so we can exercise our God-given authority over creation. The wonder of your plan calls us to silence. Bless now these gifts and these givers. We've come to learn. We leave to serve. The majesty of your name calls us to kneel. And your awesome glory, the matchless glory of God, calls us to a sense of joyful worship as we go now with the blessings of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to have Gary and Kathy back? That pew was in great mourning last week. <laughs>